Hey, what's up? Thanks for checking out my first episode. Our first episode, I should say. Today is uh, kind of a local subject. Ira Einhorn is a subject. And uh, we're going to be getting into what caused him to flee the country and eventually what led to him coming all the way back after a long battle. So with that being said, there's a lot to get into. So I'm going to introduce my guys here. It's the BDB. What's up, dudes? Present. Boys. So we got Kane and we got John. Kane is my brother. Uh, Kane, he kind of just follows what I um, am really interested in. And so does John, for that matter. Um, but Kane is my brother. John is my very good friend. Kane is also a law student. So he's going to have a lot to say about. Uh... No, no, don't. Don't miss <laughs> I don't. I just more class. I have no. Clue. All right. So we'll, we'll we'll he'll have more insight than anybody who isn't a law student. But that's Kane. So then we got John, who's just my good friend, and he's a crack up, and he's here to uh, lend some uh, some good questions and some good uh, some good rhetoric. John, say hi. No, some good insight. Don't sound oh, right. sure. <laughs> What's the matter? Yeah, I insight. drive a truck, but hey, man, I, I got some sort of sense. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> You Your former sentence better than most truck drivers I know. You introduced Kane as a uh, <laughs> a, a student of law, <laughs> but you lack the um, the information that uh, I, I drive a truck. Why? why You're right. Why is that? <laughs> no, no. Well, I drive a truck too, so it doesn't matter. But I'm I'm doing this right now. That's how we know each other. Me and John, we both deliver beer together. Speaking of beer, did you guys uh, did you guys indulge before this? Uh... Uh, I'm enjoying some beer provided by the uh, Keith Maynard himself. Currently, yeah. I don't yeah, know I'm, sip- uh, I'm sipping on a, a glass of uh, some Cabernet right now. Got That's two, cool. Two in, yes. You know what? Um, you know, I learned this in Jamaica. You know what we call red wine these days? What's that? We call it boner juice. Um, <laughs> you learned that in Jamaica? I was learned it in Jamaica. I was, I was day drinking for like the fourth day in a row. Uh-huh. And the same lifeguard had seen me on the beach drinking cocktails and beer, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Like the fourth day in a row. And he looks at me in a Yaman. You need to drink the red wine, man. And I was like, wait, what? Who drinks red wine on the beach? He went on to explain that it, uh, it helps circulation. And after so much drinking, when you go to bang, uh, if you were drinking red wine, you're going to have a strong boner. Get out. Yeah, man. And I've heard these. Yeah, man. Look, you're already saying yeah, man. So on that note, uh, I feel bad for whatever lady John's uh, meeting right after this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> can, you, can you guys hear me okay? You sound good. Sound yeah, good. Cool. I, I mean, I'm, I'm in the bathtub. I'm not sure if there's going to be any kind of feedback. <laughs> no, no feedback. I guess the bubbles create a good uh, ambience or whatever. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, Kane, what do you got? What are you drinking real quick? Uh, I'm drinking a gentleman's truly. It's a uh, spiked. Yo. <laughs> Yo. Not even it. How is that sparkling, sparkling seltzer, that spiked seltzer? I, I, Keith, what we failed to tell you is I am also in the bathtub with John. He's drinking a glass of wine and drinking some sparkling water. I could have called you on the same phone. You're sitting here two different phones. Stay Check on your you side, Derek Kane. <laughs> All right. So, uh, me, I had – No footsie uh, stuff, Kane. <laughs> That's not his foot, Mo. It's not his foot. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, myself, uh, in case anybody was curious, I had an evil twin, uh, New England style IPA. It was good, man. It was really good. Uh, 
heard about New England. Uh, they something recent. It was a disaster there recently. Right? <laughs> uh, oh yeah, by the hands of uh, 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 I think his name is uh, Big Dick Nick. Big Nick, that's right. Sir. right. Yes. Uh, but now I'm doing a Narragansett, which also comes from New, uh, New England. So maybe I should just uh, stop with talking about beer for now, I guess. Well, Ira, uh, wasn't Ira Ihorn a, an Eagles fan? He was. He was born in Philadelphia. Good, um, good transition there, I'm just Mo. trying to give you a segue. Right. <laughs> uh, he was an Eagles fan. I mean, he wasn't really – we don't know what he was a fan of. Uh, I can tell you what. Later we'll get into how Philadelphia was such a, a – big proponent of Ira Einhorn, almost in a comical sense. And it's really funny. Remind me to bring it up later if I don't. Um, but yeah, what the hell is that? Are you really in the uh, bathtub? Yeah, that was yeah. John, Spl- John Splash. I'm, I'm exfoliating, bro. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> That's good. That's good stuff. I like that. All right. Epsom salt. <laughs> All right, so let's get started, guys. You ready to get started on Ira Einhorn? Fire it up. Shoot. All right, so we're talking about Ira Einhorn, and um, I wanted to start local just because uh, a lot of people that are going to listen to this, you know, a lot of the um, maybe dozen people who listen to this are from Philadelphia. So I figured a good way to get our audience is talk about uh, something local. Ira Einhorn was born in Philadelphia in 1940. Uh, he is known today as the unicorn killer. He's known as the unicorn killer because his name, Einhorn, literally means unicorn. But you didn't know that. Clever I did not know that. Right. I, uh, I'll admit, and I should probably get this out front, um, I'm going to be our resident moron for the night. I have no background research. Well, okay, now that you bring guy. that up, uh, I did mention this maybe a week ago. Uh you did say, yeah, oh, yeah, that, that chick who tried to fly across the world and died. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Do you remember really, that? Man, you had to bring that up? Yeah. I guess that's fair. Yeah. Uh, so if- <laughs> I, did, um, I did quickly and frantically try to do some research in the, the 10 minutes before we started. Right. Also, I think I brought it up at like 11 o'clock at night while I was laying in bed just going through stuff. That's I'll give you credit for that. Stuff. But so anyway, uh, Einhorn means – Unicorn, and uh, I'm just looking up now. Ira, the word Ira means uh, watchful, so he's the watchful unicorn. I guess that's literally what his name means, which a little eerie, which would probably lead to his uh, murderous uh, tendencies later in life. If people knew that your name was the watchful unicorn, I think you're going to be tending to uh, murder people for no reason. Yeah, I mean, it's going one way or the other. I mean, you're either the best person ever lived or you are a straight up psychopath. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, like I said, he was born in uh, 1940. Not much happened. I mean, he, he, he was honestly, and you'll hear this about a lot of um, serial killers and uh, just, <laughs> just like general uh, bad people, but he did a lot of good things. And I will say that he was an environmentalist, but he has a lot of tendencies that lean towards other infamous people that we will try to see if I can get John and Kane to um, also agree with without me saying, but uh, so let's start a see on uh, what he's known for mostly is killing his girlfriend, Holly Maddox and fleeing the country. But what a lot of people didn't know is that he was an activist in probably the most activist decade of the United States, which is the seventies. 
and he also um, a lot of people don't know this flew around the world. <laughs> yeah, fly around the world. <laughs> yeah, he tried. He tried to. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So, so he went to uh, he went to the, he went to UPenn, and he was. Uh, I'm reading his stuff right now. He was very active in ecological groups and was part of a counterculture and anti-establishment, anti-war movements of the 1960s and the 1970s. Can we he called that? himself. What is, what is counterculture? You're just against culture. I that is of all the things I've read. That is the word that appears most. Counterculture. So like he's saying, like the culture is slipping, and this is something he'll get into later. The culture is constantly slipping into, like the government controlling all of us. Like that's what he's saying. Go against what the culture is because that's what they want you to do. So he was a troll. He was a troll of the sixties. Right. Uh, actually, I would say he's more he- of a sociopath. He kind of looked like a troll too, didn't he? Kind of. No, I saw a couple of grizzly pictures. No, yeah, with that neck beard, he he was sporting a neck beard for most of his life, and you're right, man. It's it funny because like, uh, when I was looking into it and just just his appearance alone, I was like, man, that dude looks like he smells like shit. <laughs> yes. You know what? I'll get to it right now. I have a quote here about his uh, his how he c- took care of himself. You want to hear the actual quote? Well, it was noted that he did actually smell like shit, right? Uh, somebody said they're they're on record as saying that everywhere he went, he smelled like a hoagie with onions. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) so just keep that, keep that in your head. Even while he was in the counterculture and like, you know, in Philadelphia, I mean, we got some pretty damn good hoagies that doesn't say much. We do have some some stinky people too. (laughs) We got some hoagie smelling people walking around still. Some cold cut, cold cut smelling people. Hoagie smells good for hoagies, but not for um, counterculture protesters, if I had to guess. So uh, let's see. He's he's in this counterculture. He uh, and what everybody says is that he is the creator of Earth Day. Did you guys see that? I did see that. Okay, so the real story behind that, before we get into the murder of his uh, girlfriend, is that uh, the first Earth Day was in Philadelphia in 1970. Before we get into what he did, we should just be proud of that. First of all, you know, first Earth Day in Philadelphia. Now, I, you know, I did not know that the first one was in Philadelphia. I'm finding that out myself too. No. Now, here's what he said about being the creator of the of the first Earth Day, and here's what I think about it, and what other people do. Um, at the time, he was a counterculture spokesperson. Um, he was in the news a lot because he was very flamboyant, very loud. Uh, and basically a sociopath. But when the first Earth Day came around, it was a huge deal. It was more like, uh, uh, what was that big concert they had in the 80s? Oh, uh, Live 8. Live 8. It was more like Live 8. You know, they had a big concert. They had everybody talking, everybody doing their spiel. Fun fact, actually, and, you know, I could be wrong on this, and I'll check it right after I say it, but um, Live 8 was a concert that toured uh, Europe, and it visited Philadelphia one time, I believe. Twice, but... Twice, uh, yeah. but it was. But Philadelphia is the only city that that ever hosted it. Is that correct? In the states, in, in our let's see, uh, yes, in the United States, there was one thrown in Europe and Philadelphia uh, simultaneously. Yes, that was 1985. That was where. Um, this is a good conversation. What's his name? Uh, Phil Phil Collins? Is that who it was? Yeah, did both. 
He he actually performed at both. Yeah, that's yeah. good. That's good well, now. They did, they did one in the two thousands, in the early two thousands. I, I went to it. Yeah, was right. Live eight. Was I live saw eight. Stevie Wonder. Um, that's good shit. I think. Uh, did you see? Uh, by any chance, did you see uh, Peter Gabriel? Oh no, you don't get me started. Okay, well, guess what? Peter Peter Gabriel will come up later in this story. It has ties to Ira Einhorn. So I just wanted to get that. You still have to settle that argument as well. (laughs) Oh, yeah. We can get this. Ask me that the Gabes belongs in every conversation. Right. Peter Gabes, nonstop. And we'll get there later. Anyway, so this whole first Earth Day was a lot like that. It was a lot like a big concert. Big pomp and circumstance, like it was like a PR thing, I'd say, for uh, the counterculture uh, eco- ecological movement, right? Well, guess who is the MC of all of it? Peter Gabriel. Ira Einhorn. <laughs> <laughs> it was no, not Peter no, Gabriel. No, it was Ira Einhorn. <laughs> Genesis was not the, the MC. It was Peter. Jesus. Uh, it was Ira Einhorn. Uh, he was the MC. So, so. You're looking around Philadelphia. You, you're looking for the biggest, loudest, uh, most you know, stubborn dude to host your Earth Day thing. And it's most obvious you're going to go for Ira Einhorn. Everybody was on his side because the hippie movement was huge. Um, the countercultural uh, anti-establishment movement was huge, anti-war movement. But does that mean he created Earth Day? And... As far as I can tell, and what I'm seeing a lot from what people say, his answer is no. He was the um, the MC of the first Earth Day, and here's what I compare it to. You guys know uh, Forrest Gump. Be it fucking <laughs> That's who I compare Ira Einhorn to in regards in regards to uh, Earth Day. The guy who okay. did create it. That gives me a good image. Right. But I mean, the reason why you would want to put your name behind uh, Ira Einhorn before he killed his girlfriend was because he was, you know, uh, very well-educated, very smart, very, um, even though he looks like Gimli from Lord of the Rings, he was very sophisticated, very um, charming. And uh, the guy who actually did create it um, was Gaylord Nelson. Oh, so yeah. 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 Good old Gaylord. He was a Senator. Um, from originally Wisconsin, I think, who came to Philadelphia. And Gaylord uh, started killing it on uh, Earth Day. But that's how everybody knew Ira Heinlein was the, uh, the creator of Earth Day. But it's wrong. Keith, just to further respect, just to further show the respect that he had, didn't AT&T get involved with him too as far as uh, kind of using him as a spokesperson? Um, I have no idea about that. Yeah, see? Ira Heinlein? Yeah, yeah, I think AT and T kind of used him. Um, oh yeah, Key. The, in the sixties, it was really popular to put um, psychopathic murderers in the front of your company's image. Let's really see. <laughs> well, he had a platform here in Philadelphia, and I think they used they used him as a spokesperson. Um, uh, I guess on the campus of University Penn. Well, I'm talking out of my you're right. I'm looking. At the, no, I'm looking right at the thing you had here. I will <laughs> read. I had this printed out. You ready to read that? You ready to hear this? Hit it. Ira Einhorn knew all of the right people. Executives from Sun Oil and AT&T showered him with support, financial and otherwise. How you like me now, Kane? You yeah. got your boy. I just, no, I... law school guy over there. <laughs> Truck driver. Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. <laughs> ah! Yo. How you like that map? 
Hey, John. So, John, show us how long you can hold your breath under that bathtub. <laughs> you're right there. Just count. Uh, <laughs> hey, man. Right. When, when your when your uh, apparatus is uh, approximately six minutes older than than, than yourself, <laughs> uh, you need to you need to exfoliate. It's it's necessary. <laughs> There's a lot of surface area on it's that a, it's, thing. It's a natural cool? habitat you need to uh, adopt uh, throughout life. You know. <laughs> All right. Sorry. Enough about your uh, member. Let's get into this. So, uh, dude, you know what? <laughs> if you ever hear me laugh during this broadcast for no reason, it's because I hear the little drops of <laughs> water in John's in John's bathtub. I really didn't think you were taking a bath. So the whole time you were postponing. Well, John's now proven twice that he's no liar. <laughs> That's right. All right, John. You know what? I hope your bath doesn't get cold. We're about to get into uh, the murder of Holly Maddox. Let's get into the meat and potatoes there. Yes. Please. So, Holly Maddox was uh, a very. Uh, uh, she was influenced by him very well, just like a lot of people were. So, like you heard, AT and T, Sun Oil. Um, he earned the respect and the um, following of a lot of important people not just uh pretty girls like holly maddox yeah you know actually now that you say that um as soon as you mention her name i googled her and uh john you can find me up here she could get it she can catch she can catch it 100 (laughs) percent uh Uh, i'd stuff her right i mean what about her standards though well she probably would go for the lawyer over the truck driver but uh if she wanted a a healthier stab and she would come to the truck Uh, that's uh you know it's subjective i guess that's uh we can just end it at that part there let's go to holly maddox so uh she fell in love with him uh let's see it was around 1977 they didn't um really stay together that long to be honest with you and before this i will go into the history of uh, ira einhorn's um, relationships he had two and both of them both of them ended in uh, like physical fights. Like he choked one, one until she was unconscious. And the other one, he straight up took a bottle and smashed it over her head. I'm not even making that up. Damn. Now, this was his third one. And it, actually, I was wrong. It was five years long. So he was five years in a relationship with Holly Maddox. They lived together in an apartment on race street. Now you guys remember I did my ghost tour and I went to race street and I just told you real quick about Ira Einhorn. I well, do remember yeah. that. Yeah. you sure you both remember you were there. It was a little blurry, but I remember. <laughs> <laughs> so on, it wasn't where we were. We were near the mint, but on race street, John or King, you might know too. Do you know where, um, Sabas is on race on, uh, in university city? It's an outstanding uh, restaurant. Yeah. John, you and I went there after your brother's, uh, art expo, didn't we? Can't say. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So right behind Savas is actually where Ira Einhorn and Holly Maddox lived and where eventually they would find her body. So that's a little geographical knowledge I'll just spread on you guys. But so they lived together. Uh, I have a quote here. Holly Maddox was um, she was from Texas. She came here and she went to Bryn Mawr College, which until now I'd never heard of. You know, Bryn Mawr uh, College, we should do a whole podcast on that. Oh, sorry. I'm thinking of uh, Bernard. <laughs> no, you're, you're absolutely right, dude. A lot of history in there? Yeah. All right, cool. Yeah, I'll, I'll write that down. I'll write that down. So uh, why did she like him? And she was quoted as saying, 
she had a rebellious fascination with the exotic Jewish male who was also. Hey, didn't you catch your first word at Bryn Mawr College? (laughs) Wait, say that again. Didn't you catch your first HPV wart at uh, Bryn Mawr? Bryn Mawr Yeah, yeah, I did. Uh, I also. the worst of diseases. I got a little kid running around Bryn Mawr somewhere. <laughs> Sorry. I got two of those diseases. Two of those oh. diseases. They're great, though. I just put those diseases to sleep. <laughs> oh. All right. So Sorry, in, 90, in 1977, so they've been, been together for five years, Holly Maddox uh, started to get tired of Ira Ironhorn. Some of the reasons was because he showed these weird tendencies. He loved to inflict pain on small animals. He would bring their cat into the shower, and my hoagie smell buddy did not shower often. But when he did, he brought a cat into the shower. And as we all know, cats don't like showers, but he would hold it there, and he was quoted as saying, "Like he just loved to hear it scream," oh, which is, I don't like that. That's a huge uh, red flag. No bullshit, man. You're talking about how he murdered his girlfriend, and I am like completely callous to that but you just told me that he likes the sound of a cat scream and it makes me hate him. oh really oh because you love cats or because you hate their screams uh because i love well i don't really love cats to be fair if you're a cat person you're by default a psycho yeah right. but um if you like to hear animals scream that that uh that's troubling pisses me off a little bit yeah all right i'm on i'm on there with that uh so in, in 77, she broke up with him. And she said she had a rebellious fascination with this exotic Jewish male. And then in the same year, she went to go live in New York with a dude named Saul Lapidus. So I think we know her type. John, what do you think? <laughs> Are you asking? <laughs> so what's his last so name? Lopinus? His- <laughs> Saul Lopinus? Lopinus? You got a hang low? No, Saul. His first name is Saul. Last name is Lapidus. So uh, he's from the uh, the Hebrew the Hebrew tribe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I got you. So we know what. Uh, I guess that's what she was looking for. But I'm just saying it was funny. His name was Saul, and you went with low penis. So all right, let's just get, keep going on. So here's where the case begins. So on September 9th of 1977. After she had left Ira Einhorn in the apartment on Ray Street in Philadelphia, she came back because Einhorn called her at Saul Lapidus's house and said, and this isn't a quote, he said, yo, bitch, your shit is on Ray Street. Come get it, you trick-ass bitch. That's yeah, your not a cat, quote. Your, your cat keeps screaming in my shower. Come grab it. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, the last person who talked to uh, Holly before she went down to New York to grab her shit that was on Ray Street was Saul Lapidus. Um, after that point, no one is reported to hear a single word from her. So we go forward. This one shit's about to get real. We go forward. Can you guys, uh, you guys have a, a number in your head of how long we go forward until shit starts to go down? So this is what? Uh, 70, she disappears in 79? 77. So I actually um, one. Yeah, I I did some uh, like I said, I did some frantic last minute research. And side note, there's such thing as uh, it's called Murderpedia. It's a go Wikipedia for murder. I'm interested. I'm intrigued. (laughs) Pretty clever. I believe I saw um, some cheating a little bit. I believe I saw that it was 18 months. Very good. But 
that's until she was found. So we go before she was found, which is, you know, like you said, 18 months. Uh, let's see here. Uh, several weeks later, they said that uh, the police came to his apartment and said, you know, bro, she was last seen or last heard of coming to uh, your apartment. And he said, well, last time I saw her, and he was quoted as saying, she was going to the neighborhood co-op to buy some tofu and sprouts. And she never returned. And that, that's, a, that's when you know it's a psycho. Like when you murdered a chick, she's sitting in a trunk in your closet, cop knocks on the door, and you're cool enough to be like, yeah, she just went to buy some uh, Brussels sprouts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's big balls, you know? We can't get past that. I didn't get to that part, though. He, um, so he did kill her, obviously. He's guilty of it now. He's sitting in jail. But he did, after he killed her, didn't know what to do. So he put her body in a trunk. After he put some uh, packing paper and some packing peanuts in the trunk, he put it in his closet. So that's where she stayed for 18 months. Think about that. You ever leave uh, like a piece of pizza on the counter for like three days by accident? John, well, you, get, you should. I think you should know, Keith. Didn't like bodily fluids start flowing into the the tenants um, below? Right. Into their it apartment. Did. So that's the only reason the police came back. Uh, this is a a healthy young woman, maybe 120, 130 pounds. Uh, when they did find her. She weighed 37 pounds. So there's Jeez. almost 100 pounds of uh, matter that had spread across the floor, leaked into apartments below. And the um, only reason the police ever came back was to uh, see about these complaints. Well, to, to be totally fair, uh, and John, I'd like to bring your attention back to the Google images. About 18 months in that trunk, and uh, I think I'd still give it to her. I think I'm going <laughs> to I mean, is that I, a nice skeleton? I guess I tend to like my girl skinny, but she wore it well. <laughs> That's pretty good. All right. So 18 months later, after he killed her, March 28, 1979. So, John, you, were, uh, you weren't that far off. I'll give you credit on that one. Um, they found after police reported or after police got reported that there was a smell in multiple apartments below, they went into his apartment. And when he answered the door, Dude was um, balls naked, like straight up. Answered, he had a robe on, but it was open. And my man was just hanging out all over the place. I don't know why I've heard that from multiple accounts. You know, dude, just had, like... dude had a straight mane. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, didn't her, 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 her father hired a PI, which mm -hmm. um, gathered enough information to give to, uh, I guess, Philadelphia authorities to gain a warrant to search the house. Yes. So this guy was, this guy, the PI was doing work for, for, for quite some time together. Yeah. He was, uh, I believe you're a retired cop. I, I had his name at one point, but you're right. Uh, and when police got this, uh, this lead that there was a smell, that's pretty much all they needed to go through his apartment. I know there's detectives involved and uh, there's a famous quote here. So when they opened the trunk, uh, they found the decomposed skeleton and they turned to um, Ira Einhorn, you know, dick out and all that, just sitting there. And the detective said, 
it looks like we found Holly. To which Einhorn reportedly replied, You found what you found. Yes, Johnny. Good job. You found what you found. Good job, John. Look at that. Truck driver filling in my sentences here. We got law school student just twirling away in the bathtub. I just, um, I just can't see how this story relates to her flying around the world. <laughs> like I'm waiting for that to come full circle. That's a good... We're all still waiting for her to come full circle. That's why she crashed. Nobody got that joke? Nobody went with that one? I mean, it was all right. All right. So uh, after that, <laughs> real quick, um, he was apprehended, obviously, and his, uh, his bail... So this is where the other part of Ira Heinhorn comes in, the very um, suggestive and very uh, power-hungry Ira Einhorn. The very famous Ira Einhorn comes into play. So uh, there is a famous attorney by the name of Arlen, Arlen Spector. Spector. Yeah. Very good. Uh, who, <laughs> who was befriended and charmed by Ira Einhorn. But not only that, but Einhorn had this whole, like, uh, this whole – thing about him that the news loved so he was all over the news and we all know some of these big name attorneys love to be in the news any opportunity they get that's the way i see it i mean that's not, i'm not sourcing anything that's just what i think but no, uh 99 of lawyers make the one percent look bad oh wow all right i like that i like that i think well that's that's a big take from this episode thanks for, thanks for spending that knowledge let me continue <laughs> Arlen Specter, would you say he's part of the one percent? Nah, uh, I mean I don't know nah. the guy, so probably not. Probably <laughs> All right, let's shoot. get into what he did. He, he eventually uh, he became, let's see, I know he became senator, but uh, he denounced everything you're going to hear. He just denied it, or if he couldn't, if he wasn't on file, he just denied it. So. What Arlen Specter did, because uh, he saw all this promise in his boy, the ecological and uh, anti-war movement due to Philadelphia, he made it, he fought so hard that he got his bail down to $40,000. So, Kane, what do you think Ira Einhorn had to pay to get out of jail, if you know? John, you might know, too. This is in the 70s? Or yeah, 79. So, $40,000. Here's a hint. It's the same it is today. It's four Gs. $4,000. So, but even $4,000 Ira Einhorn didn't have. Phyllis Lambert, the Montreal architect philanthropist, and she was basically the owner of the Seagram Company. One another woman charged by Ira Einhorn. She paid the four thousand. So you got Arlen Specter, and you got this chick who runs, basically runs Seagram, and they get him out. And within days, he's gone. And he had the, he, didn't he have the public? Uh... You get the public backing too. They thought it was CIA yeah. conspiracy. And- yeah, we'll get into that. That was that's really really interesting. Uh, but he was free, and basically what he did was um, he bailed. So he bailed in '81, right before his trial was going to start. Uh, he went to Europe. He traveled in Europe for the next 17 years and married Swedish Swedish woman named Annika Floden. That's a big name later. Uh, and since they couldn't try him here, because he wasn't here, they actually went and just did it in absentia, which isn't normal as far as I know. Kane, is that something 
you learned about how to try people in absentia? Beat that, I was actually Googling Annika Flovin to see if, um, if she could get it. No, nah, not no, he downgrade, downgrade from, uh, Oh, um, yeah, no. She did it's have like, that ass, though. You see those hips? This looks like the kind of chick that would not only settle with um, a serial killer had nowhere else to go. Right, right. She's easily uh, influenced. She had a friend. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, she'll come up later because she uh, – and I'll get to it now. He, the, the character that he reminds me of most is, a, is probably the, the most famous killer of all time, and it's Charles Manson. That is one of the biggest parallels I've seen. So uh, Charles Manson was a big counterculture enthusiast, right? Very charismatic. And... Yeah. He had big influence, not in like political, but music. What, who's that? I had to move away from the um, gentleman's spiked sparkling water. and we had a good old-fashioned Bud Light, Dilly Dilly. Oh, really? Nice. Dilly Dilly. So anyway, I'll compare Manson to uh, Ira Einhorn. Like, I'll just continue it. So basically, he had these. He was sexist. He thought that women were like below him. So Manson did the same thing. He never killed anybody. He convinced people to do it for him. And the first people he did it was uh, the, uh, I believe it was one of the producers of the Beach Boys. If I'm not right, I can't remember that. But he killed the wife of the producer that turned him down. And we see that here, that everybody who tried to leave him, and this is like any other cult leader, uh, Jim Jones, if you try to leave him, you're dead. Uh, yeah, he's the one that killed. I think what, all, what these guys all share is uh, a complete disregard for uh, you know, just common conscience. Uh, it's, a, it's a true defining element of a psychopath. Dude just had, oh, yeah. You know, you and I get pissed off at a sports game and we internalize it and rage and, you know, maybe just bang a little bit harder that night. But these dudes just, they feel these emotions and they just act on them with no regard. That's yeah. That's a good way to look at it. There's zero remorse, zero regret. They're numb, numb to it all. I heard someone say it good about Jim Jones and I consider, uh, Ira Einhorn, more of like a, a, a eventual cult leader. If if he wasn't, you know, if he didn't get convicted of this, who knows what he could have done? I mean, you guys watched the video where he tried to kill himself, right? Unfortunately, Ooh, I, yes. I wasn't going to yeah. watch it, but you, and that ranting nonsense where he's still blaming other people and he still believes he's right. His neck is kind of wide open. Yo, know, dude, oh, it's just, he cut through all his turkey neck. You don't want to see those. You don't want to see that. Yeah, and the dude is just talking like it was a Sunday afternoon. Yeah, and I that's guess. what makes him – so, like, what I'm saying is that, like, this – I, would, I wouldn't consider him a serial killer. He only killed one person, but he was on his way to become a cult leader. Everybody who l- tried to leave him had to pay a price, you know? And what they say about cult leaders is that they have um, the, the non-remorse of a serial killer, but they have the charm, the uh, undeniable charm of – Anybody you could possibly like the best charm in the world, I guess, is James a horrible Dean. way to put it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. And that's like Jim Jones. If you try to leave his church, uh, you're drinking Kool Aid, which you know kills you. That's how the Jonestown massacre happened. I see a Bring lot of uh, Jonestown. We can do that whole. We have some freaking huge episode. We could do that anyway. Back to Ira Einhorn. So he fled. He's uh, living in. First, he went to Sweden. Then he went to, yeah, Ireland. 
And he's not an idiot. I said this in the beginning. He is not an idiot because he went to Ireland because he knows their extradition laws are the hardest to get through. Or they, they didn't have any, any laws or uh, extraditing laws, whatever. How the right. Term you yeah, want to use, the US, right? yeah. So France had um, – France was where he went, I think, first. Either, either way, he chose different countries because they had different rules. So France – uh, the, when they tried him in absentia, he was tried for uh, the murder and he was sentenced to death. And France didn't believe in the death penalty. So they said, we're not going to basically convict this guy to a death sentence because it's not what we stand for. So here he is causing all this turmoil in France, trying to get him out of there. Um, and then also Ireland, this is another spot he was at, did not believe in extradition when you were tried in absentia, they, their rule is that you should always be tried when you're there. So again, he's going past all their rules. He's actually, it's pretty, pretty incredible the way this guy escaped everybody. So to be clear, he's got Annika riding by his side this whole time. And he is a known murderer. She, she's aware that he's slayed a bitch. Uh, I think she had like, the same denial that uh, that Charles Manson's chicks had. Like, he hadn't... Well, actually, I'll get into what he said uh, about how she died. Because he probably told her the same exact thing. I think John, he talked about it earlier. He said that the um, CIA killed his, his girlfriend. And I'm sure he convinced Annika the same thing. So I'll read this real quick. After Maddox's badly decomposed body was discovered in a trunk in his Philadelphia apartment, Einhorn told his friends he had nothing to do with his former girlfriend's death. According to Einhorn, Maddox had been killed by the CIA or the KGB because he had discovered evidence of a secret mind control experiment performed by the government. So, try to swallow all that in. That's probably what he told this girl, Annika. You know? And you look, you saw her, right? What do you, do you think she's going to deny that? Yeah, no, I mean, I think she'll do whatever it takes to, to get at that log he was carrying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that what, is that the final, uh, is that what we're agreeing on? Is he the log? Just sitting on a log? I mean, how else are you going to convince a chick to sleep with you when she knows that you're wanted for murdering your last girl? Yeah. And she was, was like, pretty busted. Kimberly. You're absolutely right. <laughs> Google her. I mean, that's true. She doesn't have a son. She looked like, um, uh, Popeye's uh, girlfriend. What's her name? Olive uh, oil. Oh, she looks a bit like olive oil. That's a good bit. call. <laughs> That's a good call. I like that. All right, so, so he's living with her, and he's he's going through all these all these. I mean, this is seventeen years of uh, of avoiding these things. Uh, sadly, which I did read. I don't know where it is now, but I did read Holly Maddox's parents. They actually both died before he was caught. So. That's kind of a sad twist. Your daughter's murdered, and the murderer was away, and you never got to see him. Her pop, her, her pop killed him, killed himself, committed suicide. Really? Yeah. I know one of them had a disease. I didn't know he killed himself. Yeah, pop, pop killed himself. Damn. Yeah. That's even more sad. Yeah, yeah man. Tragic. All right, so we will get to uh, right now how he was eventually gotten out. So. I watched this one documentary of what he was doing. And he lived in this tiny little town in France uh, where he went by uh, a name I should have written down. But everyone in the town was like, yeah, he's just a cool dude. Comes to the market, 
uh, talk some shit. He doesn't speak a lot of French, but he's a friendly dude. I'm sure he's, uh, you know, laying bricks back at his house with his old lady, but here he's just, he's just cool, you know? And everybody said the same thing that said back here. He was just real enjoyable, real fun to talk to um, until these accusations started going around. And eventually what happened was uh, they had a correspondence from Annika to the Seagram's woman who I forget what her name was, but they were able to track that letter or that email to his address. And when they found him, they had to battle with France again, but eventually um, he was agreed to be extradited. And so that's, that's when he slid his own neck, when the prime minister lifted yeah. the uh, extra, extradition. I have a tough time with that word. Jesus yeah, no, you did it. So when, so. They, when, they, when they lifted that, he cut his throat with a dull knife and blamed right. it on the prime minister. Yeah, so that's exactly what happened. I'll read it right here. And for the 10 listeners, if we're lucky enough, uh, just just – Google that or yeah. YouTube that. There's actually footage of it. It's, it's one of the top things that comes up, and it's pretty good footage too, like pretty high quality. It happened it, in 2001. It begs the question, like, why did everyone just sit around and like talk to him while he's gushing out of his? <laughs> That's a great point. That's a great fucking point. It's disturbing, bro. So I'll read this. No, real quick. Like, dude's like bleeding in front of them. Hold on, wait. Looks like he's got something yeah. important to say. Hold on. <laughs> 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 so, so yeah, John, you nailed it on the head. So the matter went before the Prime Minister Lionel Jospin, or that's French, it's Prime Minister Lionel Jospin. Extraditions, after having been approved by courts, uh, must be ordered by the executive. The French Green Party stated that Einhorn should not be extradited until the issues concerning his case were, were fully settled. Then Jospin rejected the claims and issued an extradition decree right there on the spot. He said, oh, fuck you and your crazy laws. We must get him out of the country. Listen to my outrageous accent. Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> so then Einhorn, with knowledge of the law, he litigated against the decree before the Conseil d'Etat, which is, uh, I guess, their court. And immediately they threw his uh, case out. They declined to review the constitutionality of foreign law. And right then is when news reports or news reporters were outside his house. And he agreed to let one in to preach his story. And right before they came in, the dude took a dull knife to his turkey neck and tried to end it all. But uh, the problem was, I mean, and the video is really graphic, but dude went like one inch like in his turkey neck. And I'm thinking, if you want to do some work on your neck, you got to avoid like the center, right? Am I right on that? That's a good point. Yeah. You think I, it was I, just all for show? Like he just knew he was going to call, cut off his turkey neck, and there, there would be no, yeah, extreme damage. Right. I mean, yeah. So I mean, that's debatable, but regardless, <laughs> it didn't do anything. It wasn't even bleeding when he said it. So I think he was just trying to make a point, trying to make a scene. Uh, regardless, the first thing they did, they did was take him to a hospital. If it did anything, it delayed his uh, extradition to the United States. But in July of 2001, which we started talking about 77. Isn't it crazy to think that no. 2001, where I actually have like tangible memories of being in high school. You know, this is actually it's funny. It comes up 2001. This is only two months before September 11th happened. 
it's probably why it was so you know shadowed. No, I remember vividly all this going down. I really do. Yeah. And uh, some other reports uh, right in that time when he was getting extradited, extradited, I brought this up earlier, was that uh, the newspapers would put up billboards with his face on it. I guess it's just a thing they did to promote, like, news stories. Or, like, to cause traffic accidents because his face is terrifying. <laughs> yeah. But what happened, actually, was people would gather around the billboards and just throw shit at it. Like, stuff that would just make it look horrible. I, that, that's just one story I read. Tomatoes were violently used against his billboards, which is the... John, f- didn't you climb up one of those and, and wipe your ass on it? What, the I, the Einhorn Einhorn Yeah. Billboards? <laughs> I don't know, dude. Did I? Yeah, I remember you. I remember you going spread eagle and just dropping it down the billboard. <laughs> I've heard that. Yeah, what story. I did was I, I dropped my baby baby arm off it like uh, <laughs> and let people climb up to uh, join, join me at answers. <laughs> Rapunzel, Rapunzel, <laughs> let down so your wait. baby arm. <laughs> <laughs> So you Rapunzel your baby arm on, on a on an Ira Einhorn billboard just to let let people How up. What and... do we get here? <laughs> but dude, I, I don't think you ever you ever noted that the engine behind his capture is uh, Lynn, the, the, the Philadelphia's own uh, Lynn, Lynn Abraham. Yes, the DA. The DA at the time. Yeah, yeah. she had a mean ass feet. No, she... I remember that, that 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 name is just just instills. Uh... Fear into me. She was a hard motherfucker. She was gay. Yeah. She looked like she was from like uh, I don't know, Front and Burks or some shit. Right. <laughs> <laughs> she looked like like if you were to spend a night with her, she would have sex with you. You wouldn't have sex with her. <laughs> and then she'd smoke a Paul Mall afterward. <laughs> oh, get a, oh, get a pack God. of Paul Mall. <laughs> oh. we just nailed Lynn, Lynn Abraham. We just got her. You know, that's we just nailed her all up and down. Good job. You think anyone was stabbing at at the time? Dude, no way. Her, her dude, you remember how angry she was? She was mean, dude. She looks right, like Robin one... Williams in uh, Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> <laughs> Let me look her up. Yeah, I mean, could you imagine if look at that fade? Wasn't... Looks like an Asian fade. Fade she is caught under the L. Oh, oh man, she looks like she looks like the librarian who wouldn't let you like slide on a late book. She'd be uh, like, nah, sure. rules are rules. You get to pay with Damn, Look at that. She looks scary. <laughs> yeah, good call on that. Lynn Abraham was definitely Lynn Abraham. Guy. Guess who else was DA at some point in Philadelphia? Arlen Inspector, the same guy who made his bail $40,000. That's a fun turn. And another huge Eagles fan, by the way. Arlen Spector was a huge Eagles fan. Yeah. <laughs> um, so let's see. In 2001, in July, he was extradited. So we got that. Let's see. I'm going to read this because this is very entertaining. Taking the stand, who do you think was Einhorn's attorney? Himself. Get, nuh-uh. Yeah. Taking the stand in his own defense, Einhorn claimed that Maddox was murdered by CIA agents who attempted to frame Einhorn for the crime due to Einhorn's quote-unquote investigations on the Cold War and psychotronics. The jury, guess how long they took two. Oh, I just gave it away. The jury took two hours and they convicted him in October of 2002. And two hours is, a, is pretty short, right? It might sound like a long time. But... 
It's pretty short. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've, I've been in juries where it lasted two days, and all we had to do was convince one person. Yeah, um, I mean, it's, um, you know, murder's never taken lightly when you're yep. here and you got to decide someone's getting murdered. If it takes you two hours, it's... Right. It's got to be pretty clear. Right. Yeah. Um, so he was, uh, he was found guilty. He was sentenced the next day to a mandatory life term. Now, I know we'll go back. He was already tried. Uh, I forgot to mention this. He was already tried. He was convicted. Remember that? Well, uh, since uh, Ireland didn't agree to... No, I think it was... uh, Whoever didn't agree to um, extradition because he was tried in absentia, uh, they passed a bill called the Einhorn Law, where if you were tried in absentia, you had the opportunity, if you wanted to, when you came back, to be tried again. They passed that law just so. Oh, it, was, it probably was France now that because they did that so that he would eventually come back. Right. And when they did that, and they agreed to try him again because the Einhorn Law was passed, that's when France France gave him up. So he was tried again. Two hours in deliberation, dude was found guilty. So let's see where he is now. Einhorn began serving his sentence at SCI Hootsdale. No idea where that is. In, in April the Appalachian two- Mountains. <laughs> in April 2016, Einhorn was transferred to SCI Laurel Highlands. That doesn't even sound like a prison. It's in the Appalachian Mountains. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a minimum security prison that provides care for inmates with health needs. And I know for a fact, I looked it up, he still is alive today. And he had he actually had a retrial in 02, correct? Did he? A new new trial that was uh I believe it was it was supposed to be held in 02. Um, was it again? Um, it could be off. Was it thrown out? I guess it was, yeah, cuz obviously he's he wasn't he was never, you know, set free, so um well, good good looking up by you. I don't I didn't see anything out. here about that. Yeah. And so so he still claims his innocence to this day, is that correct? Yeah, and he's he goes in by saying it was the CIA and it was a cover-up, and it begs so many questions that I would love to hear from the court case. Like, why did they decide to store her body in your apartment for 18 months? Why did you not notice? Why? But also, why when they said, uh, we found Holly, why did you say, I guess you're right? You know? I yeah, guess I mean, it's me, right? Like, if if it really is a CIA cover-up. My first response would, you know, to, to losing the battle wouldn't be to cut my own throat. Because right. he was clearly facing it. Well, that's what, that's what these, like, guys do. Like, I'm thinking of uh, Jim Jones when he does this. He, like, he would just say, he would, that was not an option. Him being arrested was not an option. Uh, his last resort, I'm sure he told uh, Annika all the time, is I'd rather die. Because get get tried for this because I know I'm right but he's he's lying and he just doesn't realize he's lying so if his last resort is cutting his own neck he thinks that maybe somebody's gonna be like oh wait he's willing to kill himself for this maybe he is innocent but they're all just like yo dude you cut a hole in your turkey neck that shit's gross bro let's record it yeah so do you guys know all this I mean like there's a lot more to it like I, I mentioned Peter Gabriel he did like tour with Peter Gabriel across Europe as his like roadie and convinced him to give him money. 
but that goes there's a whole different story there i had to really cut this short for time but uh, yeah for sure yeah yeah there's uh, you know i I have some details here but i mean what are your details no because you know what you came you had a couple off when he first initially went to ireland and lived with a a couple there and they they traveled yes they traveled they 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 vacationed in chicago for i don't know i guess for a week uh, with some family and that's when they cut you off there Go ahead. I, I remember Ira Einhorn. I watched the documentary. He said, "Oh yeah," and he, "Oh Norman Greenbaum, that was his name. Why did it just come out?" He said, "My name is Norman Greenbaum. That's how he rented the Ireland, uh, the Ireland apartment." And they said, "Yeah, we're going to Chicago." And he said, "Whatever you do, just don't mention me at all. Right? Exactly. That's not me. I might look like that guy. Just don't mention it." And that threw some red flags. So, right? Yeah, that's that's good work. What else you got? Because. Uh... They had the the house was actually in was it Oak, West Oak Lane? Or yeah, uh, he grew up in West Oak Lane. The apartment was in Mount Airy. Yeah, like right on the edge of like University City, like right near uh I had the it was thirty something Race Street, right behind Savas. Yeah, I'm 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 just trying to pick you apart here. What else do I got here? <laughs> <laughs> now nah, you did pretty dude, you did you did awesome, man. Thanks, man. And Honestly, I, I had to stop on my tour. I don't know if you guys, like I said, uh, there's a lot more to this story and a lot more parallels with other serial killers. And I'm Holly Maddox was a great girl. I mean, you guys both agree. I agree. Die peace. <laughs> yeah, she uh, she could have, you know, went a lot longer and done a lot more things. But I'd say it's a good thing that it, it stopped when it did because this had a potential, man. The, the way he uh, convinced people, the way he got everybody on his side, even though like he got Arlen Spector on his side, even though they found a body in the student's apartment. That that speaks for something. He got Peter Gabriel to give him money, you know? And the gauge is, <laughs> is just no uh, easy safe to crack, you know? Right. I mean, especially compared to Phil Collins. You know what I mean? Phil Collins when they gave him money, though. Uh, no, I think he... You uh, can I tell think, Phil Collins I, to do I whatever. I think I just picked up on the debate and um, yeah. we're going to have some words about this afterwards. Uh, yeah, team, that's a there. podcast in, a, uh, in 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 itself, bro. That's Team Gabriel. I, lo- I uh, think that's a good, I think that's the best takeaway from this whole episode. If I'm not lying, Peter Gabriel versus Phil Collins. Both of these can lose my number. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I gotta ask. Okay, it's been something like uh, over 50 minutes here. John, you still in that tub? I'm a little worried about you, man. You all pruned up. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> that's good alright let's leave it at that guys thanks for recording this first episode thanks for believing in me thanks for listening about Ira Einhorn I appreciate it let's get this one uploaded <laughs> Yeah. what do you mean um... this is the first episode John. <laughs> <laughs> let's get this one uh, successfully uploaded will you it's going to be within 10 minutes I guarantee it <laughs> alright and I will say to the people and you guys can agree if any of you 10 people that are listening to this have any topics you want to hear about uh, anything, we have no idea what we're doing in this show. Uh, let me, let John or let Kane know, uh, or just leave a message or all that subscribe, all that bullshit. You guys got anything else to say? No, we are. We are happy to butcher any topic for 55 minutes. Bring it our way. <laughs> but, but not next. Cause next is Phil Collins versus Peter Gabriel. Well, I mean, that's not really – I mean, it's going to last all 30 seconds when we explain yeah. it. Well, John, I'll, I'll go another 55 here. minutes if you want to. <laughs> <laughs> all right.
Thanks, guys. I really appreciate your time. I'm going to end it now, all right? All, all right, right, guys. Boys. It's been real. It was a pleasure. Later, guys. Yeah. Enjoy your night.